When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. I spend a lot of time swiping left on Tinder. I do it on Bumble. I do it on Coffee Meets Bagel. And at this point, I think I've said no to all the guys in New York City. I say no to smoking, to taking your shirt off, to unruly beards, photos in bathrooms, holding a guitar, holding a gun, holding a fish, any evidence that you have ever used a selfie stick in your life. I'll turn you down if your hands are in your pockets. I don't know what's in there. Maybe I've forgotten how to do this, how to close my eyes and start hoping for a future with a stranger, or really anyone who isn't my ex-boyfriend. I feel like I owe you an apology. And here's the guy I love to blame. It's the English economist and journalist Tim Harford. He gave me a piece of advice three years ago that changed the course of my life. He recommended that I try going on Skype dates, and that led to me meeting my ex-boyfriend. We just broke up a few months ago. It's a story you heard all about in episode eight of the show, an episode called How Will I Know? Listening to your last podcast was kind of surreal. I, w- I was like, yeah, Andrea, yeah, that name rings a bell. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I remember. Oh, that crazy planet money thing. All that terrible, terrible advice I gave her. And then to just to listen to it all, I was like, I... I feel like I have at least indirectly broken your heart. And for this, I can only apologize. I don't think it was terrible advice. And also, there's no one to blame because it was a really great relationship that I got a ton out of. Like, I was incredibly happy for a long time. No, you're quite right. You can't call a happy two-year relationship a failure because it ended. But yeah, still, it's a shame. Tim has a new book out. It's called Messy, and it's full of creative insights about bringing intentional disorder into your world. So I brought him into the studio. I was hoping that he could say that one thing again that would help me break from all my habitual no-swipes, some kind of stunt that could bring someone as great as my ex-boyfriend into my life. There are some problems even economics can't fix. I don't know. Maybe. Like like all of them. Could you please give me dating advice again, though? You do realize I've been married for 16 years. I just think the whole idea... Like, I got married just before internet dating became a thing. I'm so unbelievably badly qualified to give dating advice, but fine. At the end of this episode, we're going to hear Tim's advice for me. It's weird. It's good. But before we get there, I wanted to talk through all the other random bits of advice I've been getting from people. Hear what Tim has to say. Most of the advice has been coming from other podcasters, like my old friend and colleague, Mike Pesca. You're taking advice from Mike Pesca? And when Mike and I talk about dating, he likes to bring up this economic idea, the paradox of choice. Do you think that it's a lot like the paradox of choice, 14 jams in the supermarket make us more anxious? Having too many choices inevitably leads to anxiety. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) But is there more... I think you should be looking through 14 jams. There is no 
bigger decision to make in terms of your life of happiness than yeah, this but, one decision. But that's the deal with the paradox of choice, that you would be just as happy with the fig jam and the grape jam. Or maybe if you really sat down and thought about it, you'd give the fig jam an 89 and the grape jam a 91. But here we are saying, ooh, maybe there is a strawberry jam out there, and then you wind up not having any jam. When I was a kid, all the jams tasted the same. Now that I'm 31, I have different, I, I'm more specific about what kind of jam I want. Well, I think that you're going to be given more choices by the people who are monetarily incentivized to give you the choices, but I don't think that that comports with happiness. So let's take the paradox of choice into a space that makes more sense to me. Instead of jam, let's talk about what it feels like to shop in a giant store, someplace like H&M. The paradox of choice tells us that when there are too many cute sweaters, that I'm just going to spend my entire 30s watching my eggs die while I stand in the dressing room, trying on all the sweaters, just one after another, hoping that I'll like the next one better. And that if it were a smaller store with only three sweaters, then it would be easier for me to pick and I'd go home happy. But here's what my dating life actually feels like. It feels like nothing fits. Everything is either a crop top or it has bell sleeves. There's nothing I want to buy here. And it's not like I came in shopping naked. I don't need a sweater that bad. I'd like one, but I'm not going to settle for something that's ugly or itchy or expensive. But to Mike, this means that I'm holding out for a soulmate. I think if you think that, oh, it's great to have more choices, you may be subscribed to the soulmate theory and that there's only one person out there for you. But I don't think human history indicates that that is true. I think that there are a number of people who you'd be really happy with if you would just think that, oh, I have to pick one of these people in front of me. I needed Tim to tell me, is Mike right? Am I single because I'm too picky? So there is some economics here. This is great. So, yeah, there was a very famous study of the jams and choosing between these these different jams. And it turns out that if you invite people to choose between 30 different jams, they don't choose any of them. And if you invite people to choose between six different jams, quite a lot of people will go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll have one. And this was, a, this was a real world study done in a supermarket and people had little money off vouchers and you could track whether they bought the jams or not. Um, so it became a very famous study, the paradox of choice. You give people more choice, they they buy fewer jams. There's just one problem with this, which is that psychologists have tried to replicate it and they haven't been able to replicate the effect. So it seems it! to be one of these <laughs> findings. I haven't checked the latest literature. I may be out of date, uh -huh. but this was one of those results that was struggling. And, and actually, when you think about it, you think, yeah... Wouldn't Whole Foods have worked this out by now and started offering only two kinds of jam if it really did have this big effect? There's another thing, which is, I think Mike is onto something, but the tricky thing is here, the jams are also choosing you. So your problem might not be, oh, wow, there are so many amazing eligible men, I just don't know who to choose and I can never be happy. It's like, well, all these eligible men are also looking at all these eligible women and they're also choosing. And maybe actually that is why dating life can be difficult and not the paradox of choice. So that is my advice to you regarding Mike's advice. So that's the difference. The jam picks you back. And when you consider my recent breakup, remember, I wanted to have a kid someday and that wasn't in my partner's plan. So when I think about the fact that I'm still single, I don't think it's because I've been overwhelmed by all the choices. I think it's because human beings are more complicated than preserved fruit. 
So our next piece of advice, it's going to seem silly, but it's one of those things that just might be crazy enough to work. Helen Saltzman from The Illusionist. I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I love her podcast. And she told me it's amazing. Everyone should subscribe to The Illusionist. She told me that I should wear an apron for a month. (laughs) Okay. If you get yourself a range of aprons, you can make all sorts of different statements, depending on the kind of fellows you're hoping to ensnare. Right. So you could put on something dainty and frilly and that would say to a gentleman, ah, there's my 50s housewife or put on something that's made of leather and covered in pig bone and blood. Sexy butcher. You know, who do you want to attract? Put on the apron for that guy. And also, you you know how men love mystery. An apron turns your boobs into a kind of nondescript shelf. And so they'll be thinking wonder what they look like once you remove that apron and then all the other garments beneath that apron. Now, Tim lit up here. The brilliant thing about Helen's suggestion is it's a weird thing. And a weird thing gives you something to talk about. You can talk about Helen. You can talk about podcasts. You can talk about why people choose to wear what they wear. You've got something to talk about. And so I've become increasingly interested in the idea of just, OK, abandon the algorithm. What's the slightly weird thing, that the, the odd note that people don't understand, that doesn't make any sense, that gets you started. There's um, a study I discuss in the book um, conducted by a few psychologists, the most famous of which is Dan Ariely. And what they did was got people to interact over a, 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 you know, a, a chat, a bit of chat software. But you couldn't type whatever you wanted. You could only ask questions from a list. And the list would be things like, have you ever had an abortion? Or uh, has anybody ever broken your heart? Or, I mean, really hmm. out there questions. But because That's pe- great. people knew this person, I mean, obviously you can't just ask that question. I mean, that's, that's just too far. But because people knew the computer was forcing that, suddenly you had these amazing conversations. People really started to bond. So you need that thick, like, hey, what do you do? Where do you live? Where did you go to school? Yada, yada, yada. Gets you mm-hmm. nowhere. A robot can do that. But what's with the apron? And then you've got something. You've got the little grit that forms the pearl. Or maybe that grit just makes you the weird lady who's wearing an apron everywhere. And maybe you've noticed this too. But all the advice I've gotten so far has come from people who are either married or in a relationship. And isn't that how it always is? My single friends don't give me advice. They just look at me with the wary wisdom of a fellow soldier. But happily married people, they can't help but chime in. One is a fan of the show named Aaron. He sent me a message on Twitter and it said, in all caps, there are better ways to date. The message ended with four exclamation points. I mean, I wouldn't say you're dating wrong. I'm just saying there's easier ways, right? And there's, there's a difference between something being wrong and something just being more difficult. Aaron's 33. He's been happily married for 11 years now, and they have four really cute kids. So my wife and I met, uh, we met in college, uh, sophomore year of college, actually, on like the first day of school. Uh, and, you know, the rest is, is history. Yeah, history, as in in the past. I don't think meeting your wife the first day of your sophomore year in college can ever help translate to advice for me, but I heard him out. I call it value dating. This, I think, is a significant difference between the way that a lot of people date and the way that it typically happens when you're online dating, right? Online dating is about, at least as far as I can tell, I've not 
had to do it. But from hearing everybody's stories, it's about getting through as many different people as you can, or as many different pictures and, and profiles. Um, these are connections that are made outside of value systems. And when I say value systems, like I don't mean, I told you I'm a youth pastor, I don't mean even like religious kind of values. And to Aaron's credit, he sent me an apology note on Twitter after our chat. He realized that general advice for people on dating apps might not apply to me. But I still wanted to know, by dating all the sorts of guys I find on the internet, am I missing out on spaces where I could find a man who shares my values? And when I told this to Tim, he got quiet, kind of serious. So when you think about the the best relationships that you've had, you try and think about what it was that you had in common. I, I'm trying to think about successful relationships well, I've the, had. Well, the guy that you brought into my life, my ex, Mike, we went to the same college. And that says a lot about values, right? It says this is the kind of higher education I'm seeking out. I worked hard in high school, and that brought me to that college. That's my church. That's my values as we went to this similar small liberal arts college. But in the end, you disagreed about the most important thing, which is whether you wanted to have children. Right. So how do you know which values turn out to be important? And our values change depending on who we, who we date, who we spend time with. I don't know how I feel about that advice because we are so drawn to people who share our values anyway. Maybe better advice is, to, is something that will get you out of your comfort zone, not do what you would probably do anyway. And that brings me to a piece of advice. This is what I hear all the time from everyone. They're always telling me to join a club or get a hobby. But who has time for that? I asked him. Do you have hobbies? <laughs> I do. I am. This may come as a profound surprise to you, but I am a bit of a nerd. And what I really love to do is board games and role-playing games. And I know the curious thing is, you know, the idea of Dungeons and Dragons is such a crazy nerdy hobby. But in fact... I met some very important people in my life, including romantic partners through these games. And I have great friends, the friendships now that go back 30 years. I'm, f I'm 43. So maybe you should go and do some weird hobby for the sake of the weird hobby. And maybe you'll meet the right person irrespective of that. Let's round up the advice so far. We've heard pick from a smaller pool of guys. Wear an apron. Find people who share your values, and now Tim's agreeing with the most common advice I hear, get a hobby. But Tim has one more thing, something we have to try. I have another idea for you, but it, requir <laughs> it requires me to go and switch on my phone because my phone has got an app that is going to solve all your oh, problems. Cool. So I'm just going to go and grab my phone. Okay. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll find out why this last piece of advice requires a phone. Stay with us. So I've been chatting here in studio with Tim Harford. He's the author of Messy, and he's been vetting all the various dating advice I've heard lately. I, I really feel like I'm, I'm doing the, the perfect economist thing, because what economists love to do is talk authoritatively about stuff based purely on theoretical evidence, having no actual knowledge of the real world whatsoever, and I am, I am acing it. So now, here's Tim's advice. One of the people I spoke to when I was working on 
messy was Brian Eno. Brian Eno, wonderful musician, composer, Roxy Music, Ambient Music, Another Green World, worked with David Bowie, worked with U2, Philip Glass. I mean, he is amazing. Lindsay, please cue music for airports here. That's my favorite. (laughs) Me too. What Brian Eno does when he gets in the studio with these great musicians is he feels he has to make them pay attention. He has to make them do something different, get out of their comfort zones. And one of the ways he does this is he has a set of cards called the Oblique Strategies. And the Oblique Strategies are just a deck of cards with weird instructions on, some of which are very much to do with the process of making music, but a lot of which are just just very strange. So I, I just have the Oblique Strategies here as an app on my phone because there's an app for everything. And this is how you're going to give me dating advice. Great. I just <laughs> With think a random deck tr- of cards, it's actually an app on your phone. It can't be. <laughs> it can't be worse than the advice I've been giving you so far. So let me just fire up a fire up an oblique strategy, and we can talk about it. That's great. It says reverse. Date younger. Could be date younger. Could be you need to think about, was there a time when you were dating in a very different way when you were younger, when you were at college? I wouldn't call that dating. Uh, it's a just one word that we can interpret however we want to interpret however it. You, we just need to sit with that word, reverse. Maybe this means go back and remember why you're doing this in the first place. And it started to remind me of advice I heard from Mallory Ortberg. She's Slate's Dear Prudence advice columnist, and in true Mallory fashion, she threw me the exact curveball I needed to hear. I want to make a case for don't date. Just don't. Just putting it out there, that is a possibility available to all of us. Do not date. Just don't do it. Don't. So before I put on an apron, before I sign up for a fucking dance class, before I ruin my phone's battery on all these apps, before I sit through one more married person giving me advice, I think I need to go in reverse and ask that question that even Tim can't answer for me. Do I want to be dating? I feel like I've given you really bad advice, but then I feel like I gave you really bad advice three years ago, and maybe it wasn't so bad after all, so you never know. The guy I met three years ago, he posted a photo to Instagram yesterday. It was taken at this giant outdoor sculpture park in upstate New York. It's a place called Storm King. We went there together a few years ago. A security guard made me cry. I wore the wrong shoes, and we ate spicy salami on a park bench. You should know that in New York, Storm King is the place you go when you've just started dating someone new. You wake up together and you're like, Let's get out of the city. And in this photo, there's a woman. She's small next to this giant steel sculpture. She's wearing a stupid hat with stupid boots. And the sun's coming in through the clouds. It looks cold out. And I imagine him watching her, taking a photo of a moment he wants to remember. And then there's this feeling. You want to cry or barf or 
pick a fight with a stranger. Your vision gets blurry. You feel your stomach. Your chest gets hollow. And if I'm hurting like this, yeah, it's time to hit reverse. Because maybe I shouldn't be dating. that's our show. Our editor is Hillary Frank. Our producer is Lindsay Cradwell. Special thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer at Panoply. Our logo changes every week. It's from Teddy Blanks at chips.nyc. Our theme music comes from Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, and Lee Rosifer. We use Creative Commons music this week by BOPD and Stephen Combs. There's so many great podcasts mentioned in this episode, and you should be subscribing to all of them. Get the Gist with Mike Pesca, Get the Illusionist with Helen Saltzman, and Get Dear Prudence with Mallory Ortberg. Big thanks to NPR One. They featured YOY in their Explore section this week. I hope you all have the NPR One app. It's one of the great ways to hear our show and to find new shows that you might love. It's free in the App Store. Just search for NPR One. Next week on YOY, Helen and I go apron shopping. Okay. Helen, I'm logging on to Etsy.com. Because <laughs> where else would I buy an apron, right? That's If you want single guys, I've heard Etsy is the place to go. I'm typing sexy apron. Oh, right, right, hang on, I'm going to look as well. Yeah, <laughs> The third one that is coming up on my list is covered in, um, in sloths. Oh, there's one that you can wear and it looks like you have the body of one of the Transformers. Ring-a-ding-ding. Oh, there's one which is um, bachelorette party panties with um, some fur on the front, like a merkin on the front. Oh, there's a there's a Wonder Woman one. There's a leopard print one. The merkin one again. <laughs>